This is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. Good morning, everybody. I'm Steve, one of the staff members here at Cedar Hills, and we're continuing our series on thoughts and prayers. And um, I want to begin with a question. Uh, hope it's not too heavy to start with, but I always like to kind of get people thinking and talking. So here's, here's the question. Have you ever prayed like your life depended on it? Yes. Or somebody else's? Maybe share quickly with somebody around you. What's a time you prayed like your life depended on it? Ready? Go. Can judge by the level of noise. We had some, some, some agreement with that question, but it's a little challenging. Probably the stories are too long. So maybe while you're having coffee later you can, and you don't know what to say to somebody, ask them that question and see if they have a good story. They probably do. I think these stories can run the gamut from comical, like my preteen self in line for all the lines at Six Flags Great America, in my head, not out loud because I had to be tough, praying, oh God, please don't let me die on this ride. Uh, but, but it's weird because uh, like that's a vivid memory in my mind from when I was, was younger. It sticks with you uh, to, to something like a simple prayer. Like I prayed, I've shared before uh, one of, a book I love to read uh, about a pastor and outdoorsman, Murray Purra. He encounters a, a, a bear in the wilderness and, and the only thing he can think to pray is, Lord, help, because sometimes those prayers for your life depending on it need to be short because you don't even have time to pray more than that. But sometimes, uh, the, the, the theme today is passionate prayer. Sometimes I think these are very deeply emotional, passionate prayers of the serious kind. Like when our daughter Abby, uh, she's almost seven now, was going to be born, um, the last ultrasound we had, checkup, uh, she w- they didn't say she was doing very well. Um, and it, In fact, they said we had to induce quickly um, to, uh, because they were worried ab- about her. She, you know, there's debate between Kath and I exactly how many pounds was off, but, but uh, they, they said she wasn't growing, and so there was maybe malnourishment and, and something wrong with the placenta. And so we, we were praying passionately for, for Abby, and it was, it was Easter, the evening of Easter. We went and celebrated Easter, and we went in, and, and the, the amazing thing, God answered our prayers. Their, their tests were wrong, and she was born healthy, and Kathy was healthy, and that's what we were praying for. Um, or emotional prayers, like almost two years ago, it was right after Easter, my dad passed away, and the prayers for him while he was in the hospital. We all have these moments, I think, when we're praying for somebody to be saved from sickness, a friend or a loved one or ourselves being saved from suffering, from addiction. These, I think, are those deepest, most passionate prayers where our heart and our soul are crying out to God. Sometimes we don't even have the right words to pray, and that's the type of prayer we're going to see in Matthew 26, 36 through 46 today. As you get ready, you can turn there in your Bibles. There are some Bibles under the chairs if you'd like to follow along there. It'll also be on the screens. You can use your apps on your phones, highlight some verses that way. It's always nice. You can go back. Uh, while you're turning there, I want to just refocus our mind. Remember, as we read, we start out at the beginning of this year, our focusing posture as we approach all these passages is, is from right before the Lord's Prayer when his disciples ask, Lord, 
teach us to pray. So that's been my prayer as I've prepared this. It's my prayer for all of us that, that the Lord would teach us to pray today more passionately like Jesus does in this passage. Uh, and we, as we get ready to read God's word together, I want to offer a blessing to you. May the Lord be with you. This is Matthew 26, 36 through 46. And if you're like me, you love all those sixes. <laughs> Something in your brain just loves the symmetry. It's beautiful. All right, it's easy to remember at least. <laughs> uh, Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and watch with me. Verse 39, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. And the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 42. And again, a second time he went and he prayed, My father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and he found them sleeping, and their eyes were heavy. 44. So leaving again, he went and he prayed a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Sleep and rest later, <clears throat> later on. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's get going. See, my betrayer is at hand. May God bless the reading of his word. To help us understand this, I just want to set the, the whole uh, scene of, of chapter 26 of Matthew. In 26 verse 2, Jesus is traveling with his disciples and he, he predicts his crucifixion. He says, the Son of Man will be lifted up. And in verse 7, we see he's at a dinner supper at Simon the leper's. And this woman comes in and anoints him with this perfume, with this oil. And we see it's an allusion to the, the, the oils that you anoint a body with when, they, when they're dead. And then he celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples. And it's the Last Supper. It's, it's in all the Gospels. And it's when Jesus takes the cup and the bread. And he says, this is the new covenant of my blood. A new covenant where forgiveness of sins, passing over of sins, will not come through the blood of a, a lamb, but through the Son of God, His blood. Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, God with us. Jesus would be the Lamb of this new covenant, the perfect, the spotless Lamb. And through His blood, we can be washed clean of our sin. And with His resurrection, we can have victory not over just sin, but, but over death as well. He is that perfect Lamb that we see alluded to with the bread and the cup. And Jesus, then in verse 31, we're kind of just progressing through chapter 26, He, 
He predicts, he says, all of you will fall away when I'm arrested. You will all abandon me in my time of need. And Peter says, not me. I'll even die for you. And he says in verse 34, Peter, three times before the, the rooster crows, you will deny even knowing me. And then he comes to the garden and with his disciples. He leaves the twelve maybe at the entrance of the garden, goes farther in with three of his disciples. He leaves in there and goes close by and he prays. And he says, pray with me. Keep watch with me. This is the context of today's passage. And you, I think you have to understand that, that in the darkness of the, the night, there's also a darkness of the soul that is going on with, with Jesus. That there's spiritual battle going on. Satan fighting against his will to accomplish God's will. He wants Jesus to despair. He wants Jesus to call on the, 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 the angels to come save him so that God's will will not be accomplished. We, Jesus prays three times, but two of them are recorded. So we're going to first focus on the prayers of Jesus. Let's see what he has for us. The first prayer is this. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will. Jesus first prays that the cup would pass from him. And given that we've just studied the Lord's Prayer, I hope you see some, some analogies here. He starts with my Father, just like the Lord's Prayer. My Father which art in heaven. He uses that intimate relationship with God. My Father. If it's possible, let this cup pass through, but not my will, but your will be done. That's a lot like the Lord's Prayer as well, when he says, thy will be done. When you look at this prayer, um, we think about this cup. What does that mean? Um, well, because we know he just celebrated and instituted the cup of communion, I would say from the context, the cup is the, the torture, the suffering, the pain, the humiliation, the abandonment that Jesus is about to feel as he's arrested, beaten, crucified, and dies. John Piper, in my studies, he, he put it this way. The cup would be all the horrors of the next 18 hours. The physical torture, the abandonment of his friends, and the turning away of the Father because of, this, of our sins, the sins for us. He asks if there's any other way for God to achieve his purpose of salvation than to drink this cup. I think we see once again in this battle that Jesus is battling against his very own flesh, his humanity. His humanity calls us, say, calls out, save me. I don't want to have to go through this. Satan is tempting him to despair. But Jesus, in this prayer, we see he will not compromise the will of God. That he, that he introduced in John 3 when he said, For God so loved the whole world so that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever would believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. This is the vision. This is the Thy will be done that Jesus is working towards with the Father. The second prayer is similar but slightly nuanced. So, so let's hear it. It's this. My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, Your will be done. He's no longer necessarily asking that it be passed. He's saying, if it cannot pass. He seems like he's starting to 
accept and understand and, and know even in his physical body that this is the only way to accomplish the salvation of the whole world through the shedding of his blood. What Maybe something happened in between, and if you look at Luke 22, Luke 22 is the parallel passage. In Luke 22, it offers insight in verse 30, uh, 43. It says, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. So, likely between the first prayer and the second prayer, an angel comes to Jesus and is strengthening him. Strengthens him so he can endure. Strengthens him so he can fight to the end. Strengthens him so that even when the wrath of God is poured out against the sins of humanity that he is carrying on the cross, that he can declare, Father, forgive them because they know not what they're doing. Hebrews 5.7 uh, talks about Jesus crying out in this way. It says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears and to him who is able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. God was able to save Jesus from death. Not by keeping him from suffering death on the cross, but by raising Jesus again in three days. He didn't have victory by not going into death, but by demonstrating his power over death. This is how Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God didn't deliver Jesus from death, but through death. Gave him the strength to persevere. Gave him the power to have victory over sin as all of our sins were placed on Jesus on the cross. That if we believe in him, we can be united with him in his death. So we die to our old self and united with him in his resurrection. So we can have new life in the spirit. We can have victory over death. So how does this help us pray? I think it helps me pray, thy will be done in the toughest moments of life. It helps me pray, Thy will be done even when there's suffering and death in this world. Because I have a hope. You and I, we can have a hope that suffering doesn't win, that death doesn't win, that, that, that we can declare, death, where is your victory? There is none because through Christ we have resurrection hope. So my first point would be this. We pray in hope because Christ has bought us victory over death by His blood. In all things, in all situations, we can pray in hope, brothers and sisters, because Jesus has bought this victory over sin and death at the cross. And I think this helps one of my passionate prayers that I think God is calling all of us to do more. As I read this passage, I think this is, this is really key. He wants us to pray not just for the physical suffering, and the physical life of our friends and our loved ones. But for those who don't know this hope of resurrection. As I look around this room, and I know many of you, I know stories of brothers and sisters, of sons and daughters, of dear friends who don't believe in Jesus, who don't have the hope of this resurrection, 
but who live in the fear of suffering and live in the fear of death. And so I think Jesus is saying one of our passionate prayers can be for those co-workers, for those brothers and sisters, for those children, those dear friends, to say, Lord, save them. Save them from themselves. Save them. Stir faith in their hearts so that they could be drawn near to you as I have and believe in Jesus Christ the Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. We can share this hope that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in Him will not be subject to eternal death but will have victory through Christ Jesus and resurrection life. So I think that's a big invitation in this prayer to you and to me. And I think he invites us to be a part of it because when he left the the 12 disciples, the rest of the disciples, not 12 at this point, but he left three close by him to hear his prayer. And he invited them in. This to me I think is an example for us that Jesus invites us. If you were taking notes, I'd say this is the second point. Jesus invites us to fight with him. Fight with him especially in prayer. Listen to how vulnerable Jesus is in this moment with Peter, James, and John. He says this, Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Jesus confides with them. He turns to them and he says this, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. If I'm honest, I don't like being that vulnerable. In fact, I'm not even sure, wait, can I, can I imagine myself saying these words? My soul is very sorrowful, <laughs> even unto death. But I, I, I was trying to picture, what would this say, what would this be like in my words? I would be like, I can't do it anymore. I, I'm losing hope. I'm in despair. Is there a friend in my life that I could come to as Jesus did to these three? Is there a friend in your life that you can confide in like this? Or do we too often put up a strong, independent facade to our lives? I think Jesus is pushing against that. He's inviting us to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to come to someone and say, I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling right now. Will you sit with me? Will you pray with me? If Jesus can do that, and He is God-man, we can do that with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to do that and support each other. And I don't know why he just chose these three besides he did invest specifically in these three in other passages as well and they became a pillars in the early church. And what a privilege and what a responsibility for Peter, James, and John to be invited into this moment to suffer with Jesus and encourage him in his deepest, darkest sorrow. And how did they they do? (laughs) Unfortunately... We know they failed. Jesus returns and he says to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? One hour. I've just shared with you my heart. Could you not watch with me one hour? And he says, Watch and pray. Do not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm not sure why Jesus singles out Peter again besides the three of them, besides that Peter was going to be a leader in the church. He's saying, watch and pray with me. So Jesus is inviting us to pray that God will help us remain vigilant. 
I think just like these disciples need to remain vigilant, God's inviting you and me to remain vigilant too. If I went back to Luke 22, you can look it up later. Luke 22:46. it's the same passage. It says, get up, let's pray. That might be what Jesus is saying to you and me today. Get up, wake up, stir up, let's pray. What temptation was Peter facing? I think this is something that I was pondering this week. Because we like to judge people's temptations. We know if we're honest. <laughs> we don't do it out loud because that would be rude. We like to say, well, at least I don't struggle with that thing, right? And we probably would say one of the biggest things we like to wink and nod and not talk about would be sexual sins. Say, like, those sexual sins are way worse. Let's not talk about those. But that's not what's going on. Jesus isn't, in, isn't saying that. There's other sins that matter to Jesus. He doesn't just wink and nod and say, well, these sins are really bad and these temptations are, are not so bad. He's saying, stir up, wake up, don't be led into temptation. I think if it's not greed, it doesn't seem like it's pride, it's not lust, it would maybe be sloth. They're struggling with laziness, they're struggling with apathy. They're struggling, their friend just came to them and poured out his heart and said, pray with me, and they're falling asleep minutes or later. Jesus is saying, Peter, the battle is real. You need to live like it's real. You need to wake up and see that Satan is tempting not just me, but he's tempting you. Because Satan is stirring in Peter right now to be tempted to deny Jesus three times. And Jesus knows that. Jesus knows that Peter will fail in that temptation. So I think of my life and your life, maybe it goes like this. This would be a soundtrack. I'm too tired to read my Bible this morning. Snooze. I'm too busy to go to that Bible study. I've had such a busy day, I need to veg and watch Netflix and stream it instead of go serve in that ministry that I've committed to do. Whatever it is in your life, these are just a few examples, but you probably have that idea in your mind. What's the soundtrack that goes behind these things where you're saying, I've got, I'm on autopilot, God. And maybe today he's saying, wake up. You've fallen asleep at the wheel of your life. And Jesus is saying, I want you to live with a purpose, on purpose, the way I made you, instead of coasting. Revelations 5, 4 says it this way. He's talking to a church. He says, I've got this against you, that you have abandoned your first love. It's not the end of the line. It's not the end of hope. But he's got this against them. And maybe God's saying that about you and me today. Maybe our first passionate prayer would be this. God, please give me the passion to fight for you every day. This is the good news for anybody who feels that way. Jesus wasn't done with Peter even though he fell asleep. Jesus wasn't done with Peter even though he denied him three times. Jesus wasn't done with Peter and he isn't done with you and me. He isn't done with Cedar Hills Church. He isn't done working in Cedar Rapids in the United States. God is not done. And He's saying, wake up church. Pray and go and do my will. This is, I think, the invitation in verse 46. When Jesus gets the disciples back up, He says, rise, let us be going. 
If I was going to put it in the Steve, Steve's plain English version, the SPEV, there's all these versions out there. This is the SPEV. Let's go! <laughs> so my fourth point would be this. We go, we fight, we pray, we give it all because Jesus gave it all. I began by asking the question, have you prayed like your life depended on it or somebody else's? Well, I think the lives of people all around us depend on us praying and going in the name of Jesus. John Piper, he, he said this when I was studying, when Paul was up against a massive, sophisticated, pagan population in Corinth, maybe that sounds similar to today, where there was not a single Christian church, the Lord Jesus came to him one night in a vision, and he said, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you and harm you. I have many in this city who are my people. I think this is true of Cedar Rapids. God's saying, I have many people in this city who are my people. I have many people in the United States who are my people. Maybe in your home, maybe in your family, maybe in your workplace. God's saying, I have people who are my people. Go in my name. Pray in my name. Bear Jesus' image into those places. As we wrap up, I want to offer some next steps to you. First would be this. Uh, put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you haven't heard John 3.16 really well. You've never understood that if you believe in Jesus Christ, in his death and resurrection, you confess your sins, you will be saved. And you can have the same eternal hope. And if you, don't, if, you, if you want to talk to me about that afterwards, talk with me about it, or whoever you came with, I'd love to talk more about it and pray with you. Second thing, pray for God to revive your heart and the heart of our church. I feel like even in the first few months of this year, as we focus on pray, prayer, that it's, it, it, he's stirring something. And I pray that you would join me in that. Pray for revival for our hearts and the heart of our church. Three, pray for your loved ones and those in our community. Pray for God's people who don't know they're God's people yet. Pray that they would come to know him, that God would allow you to be a part of that. And four, find others to sit with when you're suffering. If you're here and you feel like Jesus, despair of your soul, find a brother or sister to sit with you and hopefully, hopefully we can rise to the occasion better than the disciples did. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for how it rings true in our lives. I thank you for this example in Jesus Christ. Son of God, Son of Man, God-Man, that, that even He despaired in suffering and in temptation, that even He needed to be vulnerable and open up and share so that others could encourage Him. And I thank You that He was faithful to say, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. So that the whole earth, the whole world could be saved through his death and resurrection, that all those people who you have could come to faith and ha be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and through his resurrection. Father, I pray that you would help us today to live for you. Help us each day to live for you, to get up and pray the prayer that Kathy taught us to pray or pray another prayer, inviting you 
into each moment of our lives so that we can pray and we can go in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.